0: Here at Docs we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, it's so wonderful spending time with you today, as we are kind of wrapping up our series called Upstream, which was a build-up to what we're going to be doing today, ending off with a generosity ask moment. And it's a moment where we as a church together decide to give to sacrifice a portion of our income to sow it into being a blessing into this city. Now, before that, I want us to finish off and just look at and finalize this series called Upstream, where we've been looking at a verse that is centered around a comment that actually Paul makes to the Thessalonian church, where he says the following. He says he remembers them for these three Things. He says, I remember your work of faith, your labor of love. And then he ends off right here, he says, and your steadfastness, your endurance of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we've been talking about these three words all throughout this series. And we've been looking at how these words that Paul mentioned, faith, love, and hope, shapes the life of a Jesus follower. How it forms us, how we actually walk in line with his created purpose as disciples of Jesus. And today we're going to be looking at hope. Now we kicked off with faith and we saw how the faith that we have in Jesus addresses the lostness of our city. Secondly, last week we looked at love, how a labor of love addresses the pain, it brings healing to the pain of our city and our environment. And today... We're gonna look at the one word that addresses the brokenness of our city, of this world, which in this pandemic has been like highlighted, put to the forefront. We've seen how broken this world is, the systems of this world, how it fails, how easily and how fragile it is. However, in Jesus, we can endure and we have hope. And that's exactly what Paul is saying. He's making this statement. He's saying, you guys, you Jesus followers, you upstream living people, I remember your endurance of hope that you had in Jesus. What Paul is saying in this one little sentence can be summed up in today's words. And if you get this, you get the whole sermon today. So just listen up for a moment. Just give me your full attention for one moment. He's saying the following. He's saying what we hope for shapes what we live for. That's what Paul is busy saying. I'm going to repeat it because this is so big. It's so profound. What you hope for shapes what live for you live for. So we're going to be looking at that today. We're going to be looking at what hope do we have in Jesus? And how does this hope shape the way we live? That's what we're going to be standing still at. Now, maybe just before we dive in, just a little small disclaimer. When it comes to hope and a biblical picture of hope, it should never be mistaken with wishful thinking. You see, to hope is not wishing upon a star, maybe something might happen, but to hope actually defines how we live. As I've mentioned, our lives testify about what we put our hope in. To maybe give you an example of definitions of hope, here's a picture, a man going into jail and having a hope of one day hopefully getting out there. There can be four scenarios, four definitions of hope that we might discover in today's world. The first one would sound like this. A guy sitting in jail, thinking to himself, you know what, I will never get out of here. I'm just gonna die here. This is my final destination. This is the end. You know what that sounds like? It sounds like a man with no hope. Therefore, the first definition of hope can be called hopeless. And as upstream Christ followers of Jesus, we are not hopeless. We have a real hope. The second definition can be a man saying the following, sitting in that same position, and having this unrealistic hope, saying to himself, you know what, I'm sitting in jail, but I really hope that somehow, somewhere, aliens from another world will beam down and open up a doorway for me that I will escape from this prison. Now, when you hear that, hopefully you're laughing, and you're thinking, how crazy. That is called a false hope. That is the kind of hope that's based on wishful thinking. It's not real. We know it's never gonna happen. And then the third one would be that same guy sitting in the cell and saying, you know what? I really hope that someone out there is thinking of me and that someone might be wavy one day get me out of this place. And that's also not a biblical picture of hope because that's a passive hope. It's someone sitting and waiting for someone else to do something. However, the kind of hope that we have in Jesus, the kind of hope that we find described in the Bible for us as followers of Jesus is an act of hope. It's a man sitting in prison and saying, what can I do? What possibilities are there? Can I pursue the law? Are there avenues of getting me out of here? And while he's doing those options, looking for options... He's faithfully trusting God to give him favor and strength to endure and to get out of that reality because there is a better place than sitting in this prison. There is a whole world and a life out there far better than this. And that's the kind of hope that we're going to be journeying with and then we're going to look at. So what's this kind of hope? How is it described? And then how will this hope be busy shaping our lives? Well, this hope that we have in Jesus, we kicked off in Genesis. In the beginning of the series, we talked about how God created this whole world and he's trusted us to rule with him and then sin entered into the picture and then Jesus came to deal with sin. So what are we looking at now? We're going to look at Revelation. We're going to look at the final moment of the story that we read about in the Bible and how it ultimately ends. We're going to look at the book of Revelation. And what's so beautiful about this book is it was written by John. John wrote this book to a church that was in persecution, a church that was in desperate need of hope in that time. This was the book that would give Christians a hope to endure even death, to die for Jesus. So what was he writing about? What's this whole story about? What would give them hope and strength to endure in these tough times? In Revelations 21, we read about it. It's like the culminating moment. He paints this picture. He says, Guys, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Just side note, if you were wondering whether the earth is going to be a part of the future, of God's new future for us, Revelation makes it very clear. Christianity is not just a ticket to heaven. The earth is definitely going to play a role. There's going to be a new heaven, a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth has disappeared. And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God. Out of heaven, like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And then in verse 3, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. And they will be his people. God himself will be with them. If you ever wondered what's the prize for Christianity, what's the reward that we have in Christianity, it's not one day going to heaven, but it's being in the presence of our Father. That is the ultimate picture. Now, why is that such good news? Well, let's read on. Let's see why it's such good news, because John describes it in verse 4. He says, he will wipe every." tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, or sorrow, or crying, or pain. All these things are gone forever. You see, our hope lies in the fact that we're in the presence of life, the author of life himself, where there will be no pain, no sorrow, no tears, no death, only life and life in abundance. That's the hope we have. And then John goes on and he kind of like summarizes how is this all possible? How will it happen? And then he talks about this. He says, and the one sitting on the throne said, that's Jesus, said the following. He says, look, I am making everything new. This is our expectation. This is the one thing that we're looking forward to, is Jesus coming to make everything new. There is new, and this is a good new. This is a new where there is no death or pain or hurt or sorrow. There is just life. You know, there's this scene in the Passion of the Christ that I think is so powerful, It's not a gospel-specific scene. It's not accurate historically. But I do think that the guys that were doing this movie saw exactly what Jesus' crucifixion was all about. And it happens while Jesus is on his way to Golgotha and he's walking the road. And the next moment as the crowd is coming in and he's carrying this cross and he's very tired and he falls down and, and he glimpses and he sees his mother coming closer. And he looks at his mom, and for a moment, as he looks in in her eyes, he tells her the following words. He says, look, mom, I am making everything new. And in that moment, Jesus stands up, and he starts walking to the cross, and we see the heart behind the crucifixion, the mission of Jesus is he is coming to make all things new. And you know what? Here's a big part of the good news. You are part of it. You've been invited to be a part of that new creation. Paul describes it. If you believe in Jesus, you're a new creation in Christ. He is busy making all things new. That was the driving force behind his mission. That was the joy set before him. And even though we don't see it happening, and it wasn't true in Matthew and in the Gospels, it's true in revelations jesus is the one that's coming to make all things new and that's our hope in fact that's the ultimate story of hope it's jesus the son of god coming down to this earth as a little baby being vulnerable being open but he's the king he's the king that's coming down and that's claiming his kingdom he announced the kingdom of god starting and then He did something very interesting. He took a few people with him. And he prepared prepared them for this task of the kingdom of God coming. And then he went to the cross, paid the price, dealt with sin forever. He said, it's finished. That moment, no longer will sin have a hold or a grip on God's creation. Sin will have no say. Death, where is your sting? Because Jesus rose again. And in that moment, he became the evidence for every one of us. If we believe in him, that's our future. A new body, a resurrected body, a new kingdom. Life beyond death. Death is no longer the final destination of humanity, but it's life with God himself forever. That's the hope. Right after his resurrection, he spent a few days on this planet, and then he went up, he ascended up into heaven, all authority given to him, sitting on the throne, and he left us empowered by his spirit, never leaving us alone. So the hope that we have as Christ followers lies in the victory of Jesus Christ on the cross I love the way Paul summarizes it in Romans 8. He says the following. He says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is, to re- be, that is to be revealed to us. What's Paul busy talking about here? Paul is talking about, and he's drawing a similarity line between us and Jesus, himself and the one that he follows. He says, Like Jesus could endure the suffering of the cross, Because of what? Because of a hope, that's, because of a glory, because of a greater joy that was before him. He's making all things new. So Paul says, so we, in this present time, we can consider our sufferings not even close worth comparing to the great glory, the wonderful life, the great hope that's waiting before us. And then in verse 19, he says something really amazing. And this changes everything for us. This is kind of like we're going to start shifting gears from not just what is this hope, but how this hope starts shaping our lives. He says this in verse nine. He says, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Not the son, the sons. What's Paul busy saying here? Well, he's busy saying that you and I, we are the sons. We are the children of God. We have a role to play in this new creation, this making everything new. We have a specific role to play in the hope that comes through Jesus. So the hope that we have in Jesus is not just sitting around waiting for something to happen. No, this is a kind of active hope. And the role that we have to play is building God's kingdom. We're seeing that his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's the role we have to play. And that's also how this hope shapes our life. Now, what are the two things that I just want to touch on today of how this hope that we have in Jesus shape our life? The first one is that the hope that we have in Jesus shapes our endurance. It gives us the endurance that we have the steadfastness to persevere through tough times. The Hebrew writer writes about it in Hebrews 12, verses one and two, I'm gonna read a portion of this. He says the following and it's this very famous piece of scripture, it says, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. How do we do this? Verse two, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Not by conjuring up willpower or doing some other religious tricks or in fear of something. No, no, no. We're looking to Jesus. That's how we can run the race. We follow in Jesus' footsteps. That's what we do. That's how we can endure. We look at Jesus. The one that suffered gladly for what's to come. And then he ends it off. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith. It's in Jesus that you get ignited. start becoming a beacon of hope, to start living a different kind of life. And it's also in Jesus that this hope is being perfected. And it becomes a testimony to the city, the world, the colleagues, the people out there, that there is something better than this right here and right now that you're experiencing. And it can be found in Jesus. So it's what lies before us. That's the race. The race is not a race to heaven. No, it's about the king and his kingdom that's coming. And it's just like Jesus that we surrender and we're challenged with an expectation of joy for a brand new thing. We endure to see his kingdom come. And we do it by keeping our eyes on Jesus. So that's the first part. Our hope shapes what we look at our endurance. The second part is it shapes our actions. And this is so important. This is how we look at Jesus. This is actually what Paul is writing in Philippians 2 verses 5 to 8. And if you're wondering what's the action step, what's the practical focus of today? How do I look at Jesus? How do I behold him, keeping my eyes on him, living like he lived? Paul writes about it in Philippians 2 verses 5. He says the following, have this mind among yourselves, What's Paul busy saying? He's telling us three different things. Three things that Jesus did that opened up a road of hope for the world. The first one, Jesus repositioned. And you and I, we need to reposition ourselves. Jesus came down to the brokenness of this world. He didn't wait for it to come to him. He actively engaged. He came. He repositioned. He that was in heaven came down to this earth. Jesus is asking you and me, upstream followers, to go and put our hands in the dirt, in the mess, in the brokenness of this world, to reposition ourselves. Secondly, he took on the posture of a servant. Jesus became a servant. Jesus wasn't passive in this, he was active. To live upstream and the way the hope that we have shapes us means we're active. We start serving God's kingdoms, God's agenda for this city. We don't just talk about it, we do it. We actively go out there and put our hands in the dirt and we serve. This is not a passive hope, it's an active hope. And then finally, Jesus sacrificed. He sacrificed everything. He even went to the cross. He gave up his whole life. And as Christ followers, as disciples of Jesus, that's the third point. That's the third way of how it shapes the way we live. We live repositioned. We live as servants. And we live to sacrifice for God's kingdom, for his agenda. Now, we all may not have the same cross to bear as Jesus bore, Jesus had a specific mission, but we all do have a cross that we all need to bear. Paul puts it and he says, we suffer gladly, for we know we add on to the finished work of Jesus. How do we bring hope? We reposition, we get ourselves out there into the city, we serve God's agenda, and we suffer, we sacrifice gladly for his mission. I want to end off with this, Romans 15, verses 13, where Paul says the following. And this is really my prayer for you as we're going to dive into a moment of prayer just now. But may this be true for you as you hold on to the hope that you have in Jesus. He ends his letter off with this. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Let's pray. Father, as we're considering these three words that shapes the lives of Jesus' followers, who lives an upstream, upside-down kingdom kind of life, Father, I come and pray that the hope that is in the hearts of your people will not be a passive hope. It will not be a hopeless hope. It will not be a fake hope and it will not be wishful thinking, but it's an act of hope that's driven by love to see your kingdom come in the city of Bloemfontein. Father, we bring the brokenness of the city before you. And we want to speak life to the brokenness of the city. We want to offer up, reposition ourselves, become servants of your kingdom and sacrifice gladly for your mandate for the city. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say, Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.